is the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This week's message comes from our service on November 21st, 2021. Pastor Emma Peterson gives a message called On Healing, Ourselves, Each Other, and the Broken World. Two weeks ago, I delivered a sermon urging Unitarian Universalism to reclaim the concept of sin. Sin, in the definition I offered that morning, is any action or inaction which assaults the moral order of the universe and results in a fracturing of relationship between two or more people. Sin is not original in the Garden of Eden sense, I argued, but it is pervasive. Recognizing the harm we commit unto one another, personally and collectively, is a necessary step in repairing our interpersonal relationships and the world. Last Sunday, Moria Brown and I delivered a co-sermon on humanism. In her story for all ages, Moria shared about the time her debit card fell out of her pocket in the grocery store. Rather than pray to a supernatural deity for the return of her card, Moria put her faith in the goodness of other people. She called the grocery store and found that her faith had not been misguided. Some good-intentioned person had turned her debit card into customer service. Humanism, as we learned last week, rejects the idea that morality must be connected to a belief in a higher power who doles out consequences when we fail to live up to this higher power's expectations. Instead, humanists believe that our desire to live in ways that orient us towards the thriving of all humankind resides in each of us naturally if we are willing to acknowledge our interdependence. Humanists believe in the interconnected web of all existence, recognizing that we are all inextricably linked to one another and to the natural world. It is only by ensuring the thriving of the collective that any of us as individuals can expect to thrive. Living one's life with the expectation of an eternal reward after death seems misguided to the humanist. Isn't it a better, more noble pursuit to live one's life with the intention of making life better for the generations that follow you long after you are dead and buried? Both the sermon and the co-sermon on hum- both the sermon on sin and the co-sermon on humanism made a deliberate point of pointing out the brokenness of our present reality. The world is suffering terribly. Climate change is wreaking havoc on our environment, destroying habitats for humans and animals alike at an alarming rate. 
inequity and racism and sexism and predatory capitalism and the seemingly unquenchable greed of the rich and powerful leave chasms of loss between us every day. We are connected, yes, but the web is fraying and fractured. Parts of it are on fire. Some of the threads are stretched so thin they've become nearly invisible. It is the separation from each other and from the natural world that is the sin, that is the wound that hurts us all. But humankind is still worth saving. Humankind is still essentially good. How can I preach about our propensity towards sinfulness on one Sunday and on the next assert the inherent goodness of humankind? How can we be both blessed and broken at the same time? The answer is both simple and complicated. So much of life is duality, a persistent both and. It is possible to be broken and whole at the same time. Today's message is about healing, healing ourselves, healing each other, and healing this whole broken world. Somewhere between the sin, the fracturing of relationship, and the commitment to saving humankind in the here and now, there must be healing. Like the process of reconciliation we, packed, we unpacked two weeks ago, healing is the process that brings us back to one another. Healing is the pathway we walk as we come back around to believing in the goodness of other people. Healing is the bridge between the wound and the renewal. To begin the healing process, we all need to acknowledge the ways we are wounded. Nobody gets out of this life alive, yes, but what is even more true, perhaps, is nobody gets out of this life unscathed. In his now famous text, The Wounded Healer, Catholic priest Henry Nouwen writes, nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is not, how can we hide our wounds so we don't have to be embarrassed, but how can we put our woundedness into the service of others? It is our wounds, now in asserts, that allow us to relate to the wounds of others. It is those who have experienced their own failures, losses, and tragedies, both big and small, that are best equipped to help others heal from the experiences of their lives that leave the most tender mark. Now one gets quickly to the most significant barrier we confront when it comes to healing. That is, our feelings of shame around being wounded in the first place. And one of these days I'm going to give a whole sermon on shame because I think that it's something that we carry a lot of in this culture and we should put some of it down. That's for another Sunday. Remember, nobody gets out of this life unscathed. The fear and shame we cloak our wounds in ultimately compounds our suffering. 
Truly, there is almost no feeling or experience that you have endured that is entirely unique to you. So often, we isolate ourselves and our woundedness, believing that no one else can relate to or understand our deficits or missteps or secret shames. Isolation compounds our suffering. Often it is by speaking the truth of all that we carry that allows us to finally put it down. It is only by stepping out of the shame, by revealing our wounds to others, that we are finally able to begin to heal. When I was a child and I bumped or scraped my knee, I had a tendency to get very attached to my band-aids. It was the band-aid that protected the open wound on my knee from the elements, and so the band-aid itself must be the vehicle that drives my body's healing, right? But my dad almost always insisted I give up the band-aid after only a day or two. You've got to let that breathe, he would say, believing that fresh air and sunshine would accelerate my body's repair. As an adult, I understand now that nothing heals if it is always kept in the dark. So, all of us are wounded one way or another, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. All of us carry the wounds that have been imparted to us throughout our lives. It is possible some of you are recoiling from these words right now. I'm not wounded, you might be thinking, rejecting the very premise of this message. If this is your initial response, I'll remind you of my sermon from two weeks ago when I reminded you that nobody wants to be around anyone claiming to be perfect. Each of us is fallible, and none of us are born with armor. Human beings are fleshy, squishy, fragile, breakable creatures. Nobody gets out of this life unscathed. I remember back in 2011, I was seeing a new therapist after moving to New Haven, Connecticut for grad school. We'd been meeting for several weeks and she'd received a relatively thorough account of my history and my present circumstance. This therapist, perhaps offhandedly at first, referred to me as a victim of trauma in one of our sessions. I instantly rejected the label. I began to list all of the ways other people had much more of a claim to such a diagnosis. There are people who are regularly beaten or living on the streets or whose loved one died in tragic ways, I insisted. Surely, I was not going to take up any space when so many other people had experienced things that were so much worse than anything I had ever or likely would ever go through. The traumas of others, my therapist counseled me, do not diminish the traumas I myself have endured. My own suffering does not eclipse the suffering of others, but can rather illuminate my compassion and understanding when I encounter people in pain. It is true that you may not have endured the worst that human experience can deliver. 
But that does not mean that what you have endured wasn't painful in its own right. In fact, it is our very experiences of suffering that can connect us back to the interconnected web of all existence. It is because I have suffered that I can sit with you now in your suffering. It is because of my wounds that I have the capacity to aid in the healing of others. Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen is a doctor of integrated medicine and a spiritual teacher in her own right. She is the author of the book, Kitchen Table Wisdom, a favorite text amongst pastors and chaplains, and one I recommend to anyone who is seeking healing of all kinds. Remen insists that wounding and healing are not opposites. Rather, they are part of the same whole. We cannot heal without first being harmed, and this world is full of harms. She writes, the healing of our present woundedness may lie in recognizing and reclaiming the capacity we all have to heal each other, the enormous power in the simplest of human relationships, the strength of a touch, the blessing of forgiveness, the grace of someone else taking you just as you are and finding in you unexpected goodness. Everyone alive has suffered. It is the wisdom gained from our wounds and from our own experiences of suffering that make us able to heal. We can't avoid getting wounded. And there are many, many experts who actually believe that it is our wounds that encourage us towards personal growth. About a decade ago, chaplaincy as a discipline became preoccupied by measuring resilience in patients enduring life-changing illness. Resilience was defined as our individual capacity to bounce back from trauma. Some people, the experts argued, actually improved their overall outlook on life in the wake of hardship if they were properly resilient. But the experts were missing something, focusing all of their attention onto the characteristics of individuals who measured as more resilient than their peers. After a few years, resilience ceased to be such an important buzzword in chaplain circles. We came to understand that resilience often actually meant greater accessibility to resources that facilitate healing, and that it was the community of support that surrounded a person, or didn't, that most strongly influenced their individual health outcomes. Healing is the process of turning the light on to the wounds that we carry of resisting the urge to isolate in shame and fear, and to turn back towards one another in our brokenness. Isolation compounds our suffering. Community facilitates our healing. Yesterday, or Friday, the jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
found Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all charges after he shot and killed two people and wounded another with an AR-15 that he had brought across state lines during a Black Lives Matter protest in the summer of 2020. Immediately, my social media feeds were full of people decrying the way our justice system protects and upholds white supremacy, pointing out disparities along racial lines, crying out with despair about the disease and disrepair, rotting our interconnected web from the inside out. My friend, Reverend Casey Slack, wrote a Facebook post in the wake of the verdict. In their post, Reverend Casey noted the most common question that swirls around the various spaces they occupy along with other white ministers when something like this happens is, are you going to rewrite your sermon for Sunday? Reverend Casey went on to say in their post that the Rittenhouse verdict is yes, a unsurprising but also deeply upsetting event. Reverend Casey encouraged all of us to feel our feelings, whatever they were, be they anger or despair or even numbness. But Reverend Casey wasn't suddenly sweeping their sermon into the bin to rewrite something more timely. Instead, Reverend Casey, like so many of us, was acknowledging the stark fact that events like the Rittenhouse verdict happen all of the time. The world is full of violence and brokenness and repeating cycles that entrench and uphold systems that perpetuate violence and brokenness. Reactivity or feverishly rewriting your sermon on Saturday night does not facilitate healing. Ringing alarm bells or hitting the panic button every time the world behaves as the world behaves fixes nothing. Rather, steadfast, enduring insistence that our interconnected web can and must be repaired and a steadfast, enduring commitment to our own personal and collective healing is likely the only thing that can save the world. The world will persist as it is, as long as our isolation from each other continues to persist. It is only when we expose our wounds to the light that we can begin to realize that we collectively, and only collectively, are the light of the world. None of us is too broken or too wounded to heal. And that means the world, as far gone as it may appear to be, can heal too. But that is entirely up to us. Amen. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org 
And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.